Pentecost, I took it as read that we would be thinking about Acts chapter 2, <clears throat> and in my contrariness, uh, we read the lectionary reading for the John 14. We've been in that tabletop for quite a number of weeks now, and it is uh, almost John's Pentecost, although as you heard Ross reading from it this morning, Jesus is saying, we will send the Holy Spirit amongst you. And of course, that comes in this incredible story, seven weeks, 50 days. And um, Eugene Peterson puts it, uh, the people who heard <clears throat> uh, the gospel in their own languages, it said their heads were spinning. They couldn't make head nor tail of any of it. They talked back and forth, confused. What's going on here? <clears throat> so maybe by the insight of the Spirit, we can make some sense of what's going on here and what it might say to us in Fitzroy in 2019, but I would imagine equally applicable for those of our students from John Brown. I'm on the radio at the minute twice a week, and that's tough. So if I fall asleep during this service, I'm... And I'm in my late 50s and I had to get up early both on Wednesday and Friday and that goes on for a couple of weeks. It takes me a long time to recover these days. Um, and thought for the day, it's freestyle. BBC, just do what you like. Pause for thought, give you a theme. And most of the time I pause for thought, you're thinking, oh darn it, that theme's going to kill me. That's a terrible theme. I'm never going to find one to that theme. I wish it was like thought for the day. And then you try to do your thought for the day and you're thinking... Oh, where am I going to find a thought? It'd be great to have a theme here. Um, it goes round a bit like that. But on Friday, the theme for uh, uh, Pause for Thought was um, Against the Odds. And of course, I would automatically go to Sergio Aguero and I needed to try and keep football out of it. Let's just try and go somewhere else. You've got to dig a bit deeper than the obvious. And so I told them about Levixen. I've told you about Levixen before and Levixen's coming to Belfast um, sometime in September and I'm hoping he wouldn't come to Belfast and not play Fitzroy but let me tell you about Levixen uh, January a year ago I went to Kosovo slum in Kampala and um, I've been in some slums around the world and this was particularly bad but even worse it rained while we were driving in and um, poverty in, in slums poverty in townships is so much worse in the rain, you have the water running through the streets. You have to jump over the puddles that are carrying every kind of seemingly thing in them. And as well as that, the shacks that they've tried to build, the wood looks darker, the tarpaulin looks more flimsy. It's just a, it's even poorer in the rain than it is, um, in, in other times. And so we stepped in out of, uh, the rain into Treasure Kids, which is this school in the middle of the slum that Pastor Dale built almost single-handedly and then Fiends of Life came and helped him with a wee bit of it a little bit later on. And um, we were there to meet Pastor Dale, but we were also there to meet Levixen. And Dale said, Pastor Dale said, just out there in the playground, they pointed through the rain to where one day he saw Levixen as a 10-year-old boy. And he said to us, uh, Levixen hadn't appeared yet, and he said to us, he said, he had hardly any clothes on at all. He didn't have any clothes. And he only arrived on the playground because he wanted to play football. And, um, and he said, and so he came and he played the football, and that was the way that we got him connected in to fields of life. 
The vixen came a little bit later and took us out when the rain stopped to show us around Kosovo. And as we were driving uh, through the uh, the streets, he pointed over to this um, open pool table. You don't go inside to play pool. You don't need to most of the time unless that shower rain comes. He said, that pool table's where I used to sleep under before I went to Treasure Kids. So he was a street kid living under a pool table and he went to play football in Treasure Kids Primary School. And then against the odds, you see, I got it in there. Against the odds, because Pastor Dio believed against the odds. He believed against the odds that uh, they could escape from Egypt. He believed against the odds that David could beat Goliath. He believed against the odds that Jesus could rise from the dead. He believed against the odds that God could make a church out of this motley crew that he's talking to in these John 14, 15, and 16 passages. So Dale believed that if he fought against the odds, if he was an against-the-odds fighter, and if he connected Levixen, which he did, with an organization that was fighting education against the odds in East Africa, that if he could get him sponsorship from somebody in Dublin, that maybe Levixen's life could be different. And so Levixen got sponsored from Dublin. Levixen went to Treasure Kids. He graduated from Grace High School. And today, and I think I might even say today, I couldn't be absolutely sure, but I think today he'll be number one in a plethora of pop charts across Uganda. Just one East African Artist of Excellence last week at the East African Music Awards. Because today, Levixen, the wee guy under the pool table, the wee guy who wore nothing when he came to play football, wears the coolest threads you've ever seen in Kampala because Levixen is a pop star. But it doesn't end there. Because being a pop star, oh, he's not making millions, but he could live outside the township. But no, he still lives in Kosovo because that slums his people. And he started 1992 Hands with his mate, also a graduate from Fields of Life, so as they could put a feeding program into Kosovo. And at times of the year, they come and they feed the community that they grew up under a pool table living amongst. And then he took us to this house and he showed us this little kind of wooden chicken shack. And he said, this woman was living in that chicken shack there. And we came to deliver her food. And we said, you can't live there. And she said, well, I've nowhere else to live. So I got a few of the guys to come down the next day and we built her this house. Now, it wouldn't have probably looked that good in BT9, but it was a house. Because Levixen, against the odds, met people who fought the odds. And in fighting the odds with him, he now fights the odds for the people that he grew up with. And I think the Holy Spirit is the deal in the middle of the story. I think the Holy Spirit comes so that we might fight against the odds. Because this motley crew that were locked up in this room, hiding away, caring and frightened of what might happen to them if they admitted they were Jesus followers, up there for weeks, suddenly something happens. Something happens that changes everything. I told you about meeting my mate in Antrim Forum when I was assistant minister of First Antrim. We'd played football together. We'd been mates together at the academy. We hadn't seen each other in 10 years. And he, he says, scruff. That's what they called me. I have no idea why. Um, he says, what are you doing in Antrim? I says, oh, I'm actually, I'm actually well. Um, and the elders were there, so I couldn't lie. I said, actually, um, well, to be truthful, to be honest, uh, indeed, um, yeah, uh, I'm the, minister, the assistant minister in first Antrim. And he just went, whoa. 
something happened. And that's like this moment. Something happens that sends them out of their echo chamber and where they're carring together into the middle of the crowds that they might have been frightened of minutes earlier and suddenly, suddenly, suddenly they are fighting the odds. They are preaching to people and using languages that they knew nothing about before they got up, just in case those four did know those languages before they got up this morning. But there you go. The disciples, fishermen, tax collectors, speaking in the tongues and languages that everybody could understand. Pentecost. Against the odds, it sent them out to start changing the world. And Katie was on it somewhere there. Have you ever been somewhere where you're not understood? <laughs> For me, that's lots of places you can tell with the Malamine accent. But, uh, well, interestingly, when I was in China, they understood my accent, but they weren't so sure about that. Um, I'm not even going to do that uh, Queen's English thing because it was too whatever for them. But I remember being in China and walking around Shanghai one night and just nobody understanding us. We were trying to find a KFC because we were told there was a KFC, but nobody could understand us. Nobody could understand us. And then this guy comes up to us and he says, uh, English, English. And my mate said, yes. And I said, Irish. He said, oh, Irish. Packy Bonner, Packy Bonner. Uh, the World Cup had just happened and Packy Bonner had just received a penalty against Romania and this guy went, Packy Bonner, Packy Bonner and started doing all these signs. He says, I learn English from sport, from world service. So the only English he had was sport. So he said, Sebco, 800 metres, world record, 1 minute 41.73 seconds. And I'm going, this is unbelievable. He was able to name all the footballers, all the athletes, all the rugby players, but he couldn't tell us where KFC was. But at least he was able... To speak in my language. There was something about it that was just revel. You just felt, I'm not as confused as I was. I'm not as lost as I was. I'm not alone in this big city as I was. Because somebody has spoken to me in my language. That's what happened. That's what happened. And so this week I've been asking the question that came out of some of the reading around this particular Pentecost Sunday. And one commentator asked this, what language would you speak in your missional location if you were filled with the Holy Spirit? How might those outside your congregation hear their mother tongue and be welcomed home? I thought that was the question for us on Pentecost. What language would you speak in your missional location? Now, Michael has prayed for those mission locations. And if we take them immediately, there's two or three languages. Because we have Botanic Avenue, this almost commercial or economic little eateries all the way down it to the city center or down to Shaftesbury Square. And there's commerce going on there. There's sort of the economy meets there. And then to the other side, we have the academic of the Academia of Queen's University, and then on the other side, well, we have the Holy Lands with all the challenges that it has during term time and out of term time, but going down to one of the worst health wards in the whole of Northern Ireland and the Lower Ormond. And the question for us is, what language would you speak in your missional location if you were filled with the Holy Spirit? How might those hear their mother tongue and be welcomed home? And that's only the near vicinity. We're involved in 
all kinds of work across Belfast. And then were involved in all kinds of work across the world. Um, from India to Lebanon to Uganda to London to South Africa and Argentina at different times in the past. What language would we speak? And I don't mean what language as in English or Irish or English with a Belfast accent or English with a Balamina accent. I'm thinking, how do we get heard? How do we communicate into the different locations that we as a congregation feel that we're called to? Because it seems to me in 2019 that we have a world that's getting lost in the translation. Before one of the the Queen's CU missions a number of years ago, uh, somebody came over from IFES in uh, the UK and was trying to encourage the CU as to how to be heard. And we're in Northern Ireland, so preach it. It's the words, the actual physical words. So this guy said, I want to read Romans ten fourteen to you. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching it to them? He said, now what should we do then? And the hand went straight up and says, we need to preach. And he said, well, maybe, but herds mentioned twice. We need to get heard. Now that takes it in a very different way than the traditional way that we've taken it. And actually, the traditional ways used to work. Get only a street corner when there's no TV or cinema and you could keep a crowd for a fair while. If I get up in a room in the summer, I guarantee you I could keep a fair crowd if I preached the gospel right in the middle of a room because they have nothing else to do and they would find my accent quaint and I could communicate something with them and I would guarantee that in some ways, because English is the, the first language in Uganda, that they would understand some of it. Maybe not so much around here because they've heard it all. They've heard the words but they're not hearing the message. Now what's that about? We've got to ask ourselves, why is it getting lost in the translation? Why is it not as it was 50 years ago or 25 years ago or 100 years ago? What is different? And, and, and the Holy Spirit comes in order that we might not only be led into truth, but we might become relevant to the truth that, or to the communities that we're trying to communicate into. The Holy Spirit, if we take Acts too seriously, would be giving us the insight as to how we communicate with all the different languages. And we need to understand that this is not an objective generation in general. It's a subjective one. Now, I've preached that before, but it's a while ago. That if you grew up in a linear form of learning through books or words on a blackboard, then it was mainly the objective side of your brain that saved the information. But if you grew up in an image-dominated world, then it's the subjective side of your brain that saves the information. So you've got to teach in different ways now than you taught 30 years ago. A classroom looks very different now than the one that I went into in Grace Hill Primary School all those years ago. There's more images. There's all kinds of whiteboards and there's uh, overheads and there's all kinds of... When we went for an open day with uh, Caitlin and Jasmine uh, to see schools, I couldn't believe a French class because you could play football. Well, you literally tried to play football against the board and took penalties and then if you scored a penalty, you got the word. I'm going, I might have learned some French if it had been like this in my day, but in my day it was very linear. 
So we save information differently. We've got to begin to understand that. And we've got to begin to understand that the secret to it all is that the word becomes flesh and moves into our neighborhood. Let me give you an example of this in, in almost winding up and then the challenge for us all. During the week's General Assembly, uh, on the news, which is why I was watching, Morris Galt brought the South Belfast Memorial that wanted to overturn last year's decision of the General Assembly to cut off talks with um, the Church of Scotland over their more liberal approach to uh, LGBT issues. And Morris did something that I think was the crux of the matter, not only for that debate, but for this issue as to how we get heard. Morris said that there would be no point in church leaders going up the hill to Stormont and asking our political parties to engage with each other if we couldn't even engage with the Church of Scotland but actually broke off relationships with the Church of Scotland. And he's absolutely right. There is the damage that does for all of us trying to work with people in politics or on the fringes of politics who might be more sinister than the politicians, when a church breaks relationships with its sister church over one issue, it's very hard to get Republicans and loyalists in a room and them take us seriously. They're not listening. They're not hearing because our symbolism is contrary to everything we're trying to achieve. We cannot, we cannot in this generation, we cannot minimize what it is to see things. To the point where, if you go to a Four Corners festival event, we're convinced that the most powerful part of a Four Corners event is when Father Martin and I do this two Ronnie sketch over Neville's Tesseract to get donations at the end of the night. Oh, all kinds of things are said at the meetings after it. But what people have said to us is that that's a symbolism of friendship across the denominations that actually speaks to them deeper than some of the theology or the words or the other things that we do around it. It doesn't mean we don't do the theology around it. But I'm asking what speaks, what is heard. Or my friend who doesn't go to church this morning and has given up in church, but told me that when Ken was on the radio talking about his memoir and talking about his relationship with Clonard that he had to he had to pull his car to the side of the road because he found himself weeping he heard the spirit got through but it wasn't a sermon on a Sunday morning it was a Presbyterian minister having a friendship with a Catholic priest that brought this fella to the side of the road emotional. Because in that moment he could see that something was happening against the odds. That he could see that the Holy Spirit was at work in Belfast, even though he would tell me that he can't find much of it when he goes to church. This is the generation in the last maybe 150 years, where actions speak louder than words is actually how it is. 
For years we get away with the words. But we'll not be heard if we just speak words today. The Spirit needs to come down on us in such a way that we need to live such an alternative life that at last through the translation people will know the love of God and what the love of God means just like that first Pentecost morning when they all heard it in their own language there was clarity and the question for us as a session the question for us as a congregation how do we need to live and speak and symbolize so that all the people in our jurisdiction hears the truth of the word of God and the clarity of their own language. Let's pray together. Lord, we've already talked about you gifting us so many things. The law, the Holy Spirit, the good news of the gospel of Christ, the church, companionship for the journey, a message and a mission for a world that can change the world and transform the world and make the world anew. Lord, we pray that you would reveal to us by your Spirit, anoint us by your Spirit, that we would take the gifts that you have given us and that as we take them out into the streets this afternoon and tomorrow morning and through the week, that we would be filled so much by your Holy Spirit that we would communicate the wonder of that gospel in ways that everyone we meet would hear, understand, and respond to. Teach us by your Spirit. Embold us by your Spirit. Send us by your Spirit. In the name of Jesus. Amen.